Welcome to another episode of the Eccentrics with UI, where I have conversations with individuals that have the following three guidelines, such as they have traveled a fair bit, they have created a money-making venture, size of that venture is irrelevant, and lastly, they are willing to share a destabilizing events that occurred at the time and how did they rebound from that setback. Before we go into today's episode, I wanted to notify you that today's episode is sponsored by Three Nuggets Wednesday, which is a weekly newsletter that comes out every Wednesday, capturing three things that I found interesting and valuable during the previous week and sharing them with you, hopefully for it to add value in your life as well. And if you want to get access to this newsletter, you can visit the website www.uiukpong and insert your email address in the pop-up and you will receive this weekly newsletter every Wednesday. It's very straight to the point. Um, it's recommendation of books, songs, videos, exercises, anything that adds value to oh, I found very interesting the previous weekend. I'm just sharing them with you. If you do enjoy the newsletter, please share with a friend or share with someone in your network. And uh, thank you for enjoying the newsletter. Any feedback is also uh, welcome. You can send me an email to hello at uiukpong.com. Now let's get into the show. For today's episode, we have an individual by the name of Randy Quanser. And who is Randy? Randy is a Ghanaian-Canadian creator and the host of the kids show, Kujo Kid Zone. Randy is an HR expert, which is human resources and a business instructor. But his most important job is being a father to his five-year-old daughter, Olivia. Seeing a need for children's education to be more inviting and inclusive with greater representation of people of color and diverse cultures, Randy is dedicated to educating by presenting positive role models and living by his show's motto, which is ask questions about the world so you can be kind, be brave, be curious, and most importantly, be yourself. Enjoy my conversation with Randy. So good evening, everyone. As I always start every show, I always like to tell you what time it is where I am and where I am is in Calgary. And right now it is 5.39 p.m. And I'm about to have a conversation with somebody that I ran into uh, earlier on this week. I tell you, sometimes, you know, coincidence is not coincidence. That's what I'm going to say, because things happen and we think, oh, that's just a coincidence. But sometimes just look at it and say, "Mm, it's not a coincidence. So I ran into an individual with dreads who is uh, a great individual based on his story. And I hope he... By the end of this conversation, you also get to appreciate his story as well. And his name is Randy Quanser. And I ran into Randy at the barber shop. And I want to give a shout out to Benji, who is our barber, who basically connected us together through his environment anyway. So, Randy, welcome to the show. 
Hey, I really, really appreciate uh, you having me on, man. I, I really appreciate this. Thank you. No worries. So I always, I don't prepare questions to ask every guest that has come on the show. I always want to have an organic conversation. My goal is as if you are sitting down with me in my crib and whatever you drink, I'll offer you that drink and whatever I'm drinking. We're just sitting down having a chat over jazz music or something. Let's do it, so, man. so basically, I had a pre uh, a question I wanted to ask you prior, but upon coming on this and seeing you with these red glasses, <laughs> and also seeing and also seeing the red glasses in um, the show that you also create for kids, what yes. is it with the red? What is it with the red glasses, man? It's uh, it's the signature, you know. It makes it very distinct. Already red against any color, usually against somebody that has dark skin, already pops out, right? And I wanted to have a, a unique moniker when people see me that it's very easily identifiable, right? So you see me, okay, I'm the the, uh -huh. the black male with the locks with the red glasses. It's, it's very distinct, you know. You know, it's uh. I wouldn't say costume, but it's like part of your your uniform, right? And it's a very mm. easily um, easy identifier. Mm. When did the lock start, and how? When did the when did the red glasses also come into your life? You know the craziest thing. Um, so maybe like maybe like uh, ten years ago, I was shopping for glasses. I needed to get new glasses, and this woman that was helping me, um, you know she was helping me get a new pair of glasses and she had suggested a red pair of glasses and a yellow pair of glasses. And they were both fire. And <laughs> they're, yeah, they're both fire. Right. So I, I went with the red ones and they don't, I mean, they're not like these ones. Right. Okay. So I rocked those red glasses and everywhere I went, I was receiving compliments, you know, and you know, the real compliments when like, like men will come up to me and be like, Hey man, like, you know, I don't need anything or I don't want anything from you, but I just want to let you know that I like your glasses, you know, and I'm like, Hey, I appreciate it. So then I'm like, so those red glasses, unfortunately I had to uh, RIP those original red glasses. I had to put them to rest. You know, they were starting to get uh, foggy. The, the side of the frames were starting to, they were way past their, their due date. Right. Uh -huh. And when I needed to get a pair of new ones, um, I know that the color red already works. So I updated it and I got it to be a little bit more round and a little bit more uh, conducive to where I'm at right now. What about the locks? Because the locks and the red glasses, they really, they just really rock together, man. I, I appreciate it, man. The locks. Wow. The locks. It, it's been a serious journey. You know, I've, I've been at it. I started off doing, uh, I had a Mohawk, right. Okay. And, uh, one day I went to the barber shop and the barber, you know, that those sponges to kind of give you those twists. Yes. So I, do. I, I was going to a wedding and um, the, the barber that I had, you know, had put the, the foam to my, my head and gave me those locks. And I got so many compliments and I'm like, okay, okay. I see where this is. But then it got to a point where the, the sponge wasn't working anymore. And my hair was like, look, we're going to do this or we, it's either you're going to continue going full fledged or you're not going to do it anymore because the sponge wasn't even working anymore because I had uh, so much hair. 
And I was tired of actually waiting in the barbershop and getting a haircut, you know? Hmm. So I said, okay, if I'm going to get my hair locked, I don't have to go to the barber anymore. I don't have to wait anymore. And the funniest thing is it's actually way more maintenance and having your hair locked than it is to have your hair cut. Because of the undergrowth. The, the growth, the retwisting, and you have to be diligent. You have to put the oils, you have to sleep with a bonnet. But the hair, the journey, it teaches you a lot about yourself, right? So my hair is dry. Oh, I'm not drinking enough water. It's like self-care. It's like you're mm. doing a, a temperature check with yourself every day. You know, oh, um, you'll get into a situation, especially at the beginning when you're going through the different phases and your hair is growing, you know, it, you learn a lot about yourself and you learn a lot about the perceptions of other people as they're, they're seeing you go through your journey. And um, it teaches you to understand that, you know, you're, you're way more than your hair and you're way more than the perceptions of other people as well. And it also takes, allows you to take pride in your own self. And um, it's really funny because I was involved in the corporate world for a very long time. I used to be an HR manager. I used to be involved in HR. I used to be involved in teaching. And I would always be really diligent in getting my hair cut, you know, every like two weeks, you know, keeping it fresh, getting a nice lineup and all that and fitting into this box, you know. And when I started to grow my hair and tap into being my authentic self, doors started opening for me. I started having the right people in my circle. My, my business started to flourish and it helped me understand that you just have to really be your authentic self and embrace it um, because people, you know, always respect when you are being true to yourself. And I found that when I was, again, in that corporate environment, um, I had the knowledge, I had the education, I had the designations, but I was always trying to fit into a box. I was always trying to um, put on the image of what I thought would be acceptable. And when I started moving and pivoting from that, everything changed. So I said, okay, you know, this is, this is it. Now it's become part of not only my, my brand, um, but it's also become part of, of me, you know, as Again, you'll go through those different stages in your growth. You have a different level of appreciation. And it's, it sounds super silly because you think that, oh, it's just, you know, your hair growing. But the hair teaches you so much, um, so much things. And the energy people have towards you when they, they see you is, is very extremely different, I, I found, from when I, I started growing uh, my locks. And the more and more comfortable I've been in my own body, in my own skin, the more and more comfortable people were are around me as well. I mean, people were always comfortable around me, even when I was in the, the corporate world. But um, again, you're just tapping into being your true authentic self and, and people vibe and respect that and they, they, they gravitate towards it. I think secretly there's a portion of them that would like to be their authentic self and show up as their authentic self, but for fear of judgment and for fear of a lot of different things, right? So, mm, mm. you know, there are two key words you said there while I was listening to you, which is perception and energy. And it's funny that from the perception side of it, I won't lie. When I first saw you, I thought you were Caribbean. I thought yeah. your roots. I, I, th I thought I thought yeah. your roots was Caribbean. And then from an energy standpoint, 
you know you just had this energy about you now everything about you is a statement basically from what um, i'm perceiving when i see you the glasses the locks and then you also have the top which is the dashiki i think absolutely so i saw you with the dashiki on tuesday and now i'm seeing you with the dashiki now and also on your show the kujo zone is also the dashiki as well so absolutely. what is it with the dashiki man you know what it's uh I'm first generation Canadian, right? So again, it's a, a nice way of being able to connect with my African heritage, right? Um, a lot of people actually don't know that locks, it's not just a Caribbean thing. It's actually something that has evolved throughout history through so many different cultures, right? Um, the Vikings had locks. Egyptians what? had locks. Yeah. Listen, wow. any single time you get your, if you get into a situation where you're not combing your hair, and your hair is very extremely curly, it's going to lock, right? Those Caucasian people had locks in the Vikings. Um, really funny thing, there's a, a religious deity in the, the, the Indian culture that also has locks as well, right? So throughout so many different cultures, they've had it as well. But there's a lot of uh, stigmas um, behind locks because they always associate locks with... Uh, Rastas and, and things like this and that and that nature, but locks have been rampant through throughout so many different time periods and throughout so many different cultures, right? So it's mm. not just something that's necessarily limited to um, uh, Caribbean culture. And then again, also, it's one of those things as well where it's like it's a chance for you to connect literally with your your roots and in being able to embrace being able to embrace your your individuality and also embrace having your your natural hair right it's like the um the the everest or upper echelon in terms of having your natural hair and having it in its natural state right and um, um it's it's a beautiful thing that it's becoming more and more uh, embraced and becoming a, a little bit more culturally accepted um but regardless of that that or not, I'm I'm very extremely comfortable in my own skin to be able to to rock it to the fullest. Yeah. So I'm not a first generation Canadian. I came to this country in 2001 from Nigeria. I yeah. presume you were you were born in Canada. Yeah, I was born in, born and raised in Montreal, Quebec. But okay, born and raised in Montreal, Quebec. Now yeah. you're really embracing your your roots. Absolutely. Your present your your present self, maybe 10 years ago or so, is now really embracing your roots. But being born in Canada, first generation, and by the way, I, I when I came in 2001, Canada wasn't this diverse. I always mm. tell people that, I tell people that are coming now in the last five, 10 years, I'm like, you, you're lucky, man. When I came, there was no, there was no soccer on TV. It was only hockey. <laughs> <laughs> and then coming from Nigeria, I don't know anything about hockey. So you, yeah. born here, yeah. when did you start to embrace your roots and start to become inquisitive about your roots and start to be proud of your roots? You know, um, when I was uh, young, uh, growing up, you know, Canada, even though it's a, a beautiful place and it's a melting pot of so many different cultures, um, the question that, you know, that is always asked is that, oh, you know, where are you born or where are you from? I'm like, oh, I'm from Montreal, Quebec. And then that question is always followed by whereabouts are you really from? Right. And um, that in itself kind of sets the stage 
that you're Canadian, but you're not really Canadian. You're not really 100% like us. So it forces you to indirectly embrace your, your you know, where you're from and your culture. And I'm very proud, you know, uh, Nigeria and Ghana and West Africa has a very extremely rich uh, heritage and culture. And when I started off doing my show for kids, um, I was uh, rather disappointed by the lack of representation of having this uh, rich Black and African culture being represented. You know, you have um, Dora the Explorer who can talk about her South and Central American heritage and She's very transparent in it when you watch these kids' shows and sprinkling Spanish and sprinkling different terms and food and different um, things that are associated with that culture. And I said, why can't we be able to showcase and highlight the richness and diversity of our culture, right? And that's what I had set out to do. So that's why I said, hey, you know what? I want to have my dashiki. I want to I rock it and put it out there. And have people ask questions. What is that? Okay, well, let me tell you and let me explain it to you. Oh, your hair is in locks. Oh, what are locks? Through asking questions and having things come up organically, it's the beginning of conversation. And the beginning of conversation leads to the beginning of potential change of perceptions. And that's what I wanted to institute with my show. Hmm. So I'll be honest, when you told me that you have this show that you have created, the first thing I thought about was a black guy doing animation. Okay. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just being honest, man. I apologize. No, okay. So, so, I, so, so did the idea come into you? Okay. Were you always watching animation? I have a daughter. I have a six-year-old daughter, right? Okay. So right. by default, I'm, I'm into, and I'm very uh, concerned about the things that she does watch and the things that she's exposed to. Right. Uh And um, so I'm very familiar with these programs. And I also, you know, growing up as well, um, I'm familiar with, you know, the typical household programs, the Sesame Streets, Mr. Rogers Neighborhood, um, all of those, all of those shows. Right. So I'm familiar with them. And I was always that uncle, you know, when my, my brother has two older kids that are university age right now. I was that uncle that was always, you know, playing with them, doing experiments and just uh, um, really embracing that creativity and that playfulness and, and being uh, tapping into like my inner child. Right. And I don't think that ever really, truly left. me, Right. I think it's super important to impr- and embrace uh, play and, and creativity. And uh, I wanted to do that and, and bring that and represent that in my in my show. And I know you're thinking like, oh, wow, like. What is this black guy doing and having a kid show? That's not a route that is followed, right? By a lot of people and it makes it different, right? And part of the reason being is that there's a lack of black male representation when it comes to early childhood education. You know, people paint black males as being these um, social deviants and um, being appearing appearing in one particular way and, and not being present in the family household and all those different stereotypes that are there, not only just with black males, but just males in general, right? You, you turn on any TV show or sitcom and I guarantee you, the man is always portrayed as a buffoon, 
right? Oh, honey, go get uh, some milk, get 5% milk. The man will come back and get 2% milk. Honey, oh man, <laughs> that almost that Homer Simpson uh, prototype. And I wanted to show people that, hey, you can also be both masculine and also at the same time have a, a genuine and caring and uh, empathetic side um, that can be displayed and you can be able to bounce back and forth between um, those kind of characteristics, right? And I, and I wanted to show that because the last time you've actually seen a black male involved in early childhood education um, as, a, as a lead is like LeVar Burden in, in Reading Rainbow. And that's some 20 something odd years ago. So it's, hmm. it's time for a reboot. It's time for us to change the perception and I'm somebody I don't like to wait for things to happen. If I see there's a lack of something that's happening within my community, I'm going to be the one to do it. I'm going to start it. I'm going to, to lay the foundation down. I'm going to create the path and create a way um, for males to have that proper representation and then also to change the perceptions of Black males also in their, their, their children's lives. Mm. Are you saying that if I watch cartoons for kids, that males and black males are really portrayed that way? I I could see that in ads for adults and everything, but even in even 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 for that age, and that okay. Let me retract my statement. Okay, I'm just saying in general when you okay, in general, look okay. and you turn on to mainstream television, right? Okay, even in early childhood education shows. There's a lot of female leads. There's a lot of female presence that's there. Um, but unfortunately, there's not necessarily as much male presence that's there. And definitely not, uh, um, there hasn't been in, in recent years, um, a black male lead mm. involved in a show like that. Just a lead, not accompanied by someone else who's Caucasian, not accompanied by some, just as a lead in itself. And that in itself is very extremely groundbreaking. You know, when we talk about this whole idea of diversity and inclusion being extremely important, it's also important to have those images being up, upright and, and up front and center in front of your face to be able to really see it, right? To really be able to identify and see those things. And I was hoping, you know, with this show that I'm creating, again, to change those perceptions and, and showing that, hey, People of color can, can be involved in early childhood education. There's a space for them to share their stories, right? Every story um, is, is, is important. And um, I think it's time that we need to share our story in terms of our culture and sprinkle it to the mainstream in order to develop more allies, you know, in, in order for us to shift the, the way things are going globally right now with so many different circumstances to change the climate, we need to be the ones to, to educate people. It doesn't have to be in your face, but we just sprinkle gems and let those gems and those seeds uh, germinate and, and then grow. You know, I've had my share of debates and conversations with adults, and it, it, it's very frustrating because unless you're an adult with a high degree of self-awareness, your biases are going to be very extremely hard to shift. But if you can get to children that are already open-minded to learning new things and learning about cultures and learning about 
a variety of different social issues, they're going to be the ones that when they get into adulthood, they're going to be the leaders that we're not going to have as many biases as we had growing up because they're going to be better informed with educational shows like mine and other ones that are out there. But there's a real lack of having that combination of entertainment and, and education. You know, there's shows that are very highly entertaining, but not necessarily as educational. So this is a, a really unique niche in terms of having a show that is a combination of education and, and entertainment, right? I'll give you a classic example. My business partner and myself, we reached out to NASA for six months. You reached out to who? To NASA. Who? NASA. The space agency. Space agency. Okay. We got Jeanette Epps. She's going to be the first Black female astronaut to go to a space station come this fall. She's going to be the second um, overall to go to the space station in terms of females going to this. So what do we show in this episode? We're talking about space. We're able to identify facts about space. But at the same time, we're introducing a subject matter expert who is a person of color. Just even her presence and seeing her and seeing an astronaut, the education, the sacrifices, the discipline in order to complete and get to where she is, is going to motivate so many different boys and girls of color and just boys and girls, period. Of If, if that's something that they're interested in, look no further than this woman and what she had to do to get to where she is at, to inspire people. You know, I want this show, my life, my life's work and everything I touch and I do to be inspirational, to motivate and inspire the, the next generation of people to be unapologetic and chasing their dreams and not feel that there's any kind of boxes or, or, or ceilings that they can't push through. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, so before we get to the idea formation and how this all came about. I want to go back to your childhood because we need to know <laughs> where, did, where did Randy come from to be able to create Kujo? So, so you were born in Montreal. And, yeah, I was uh, born in Montreal, Quebec. And, and I presume both mom and dad are Ghanaians, right? Well, my mother is Nigerian, actually. Uh, oh. Her parents are Nigerian, but she was raised in Ghana, right? Oh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, um, so, yeah, both my parents are, are, are West African. Um, so, you know, it, it was very interesting in terms of finding that balance and equilibrium because they're coming here with a set of values of, of West Africa, West African uh, culture and heritage and ways of going about things. And now you're in Canada and things are slightly different. So it was always a, a juggling act in terms of balancing what's happening outside of my household and how I try to navigate and try to, to blend in at the same time, also honoring my heritage and where I'm also from, right? Um, in some ways, in a lot of ways, it was, it was really good. I learned a lot of things from my cultural background. In some ways, it was also limiting as well. And I try with my daughter, now that I, you know, I've, you know, I've gone through those formative years, to change and rectify things that I, I think could have been improved in my own upbringing, right? But hmm. if you're going to tell the story of, of Randy and, and what happened to him, um, essentially what happened in my beginning of my, my journey and towards embracing um, 
my, my really, really embracing my culture and really embracing where I'm from. I remember in my first day of school, I went to a new school and I was in grade two or something like this. And um, I'm at the line and uh, this Caucasian boy, you know, you know, called me the end bomb. Right. Mm. And um, so I come home that day and my mom and my dad were at meeting supper. Uh, my mom and my dad are there and my, my older brother and my older sister are there. And they're like, how was your first day of school? I'm like, oh, man, it was awesome. The gym is so much bigger. The teachers are so nice. Um, what is the end bomb? My brother and my sister were like mortified, right? They have like five and seven years on, right? They're mortified. You, 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 are the last, you are the last child? I'm the last child, yeah. Okay. So my parents, you know, they're pretty calm and they know they broke it down and they explained that, okay, well, now it's, it's, it's time for you to understand the facts of life. Um, you're going to have to work harder to obtain the same kind of employment. There's going to be people out there that are going to discriminate against you. And they, they brought me along for the ride and explaining the, the different dynamics and in, in culture and then also being proud. So I, I read, um, started reading books about Martin Luther King's civil rights movements and, and it lit a fire. And I started consuming more and more books and I started to understand more. And, you know, then there's a lot of different situations that happen just overall in life, right? You, in, in Quebec, they, there was the Oka crisis and they were building, they wanted to build a golf course on native sacred land, right? And I'm like, oh, this discrimination thing is not only limited to Black people. This is for all people of color. Oh, wow, it's a systemic thing. And then, you know, with uh, the Rodney King um, uh, camera that was, was caught and filmed uh, of him being beaten down by these police officers. And you're like, wow, this is something that happens on a day-to-day basis in terms of this discrimination thing. And it's not just limited to people that are employing you. It's also people that are out there to serve and protect. And that's not everybody, but there's some people that still have a limited view. And then also with this Brianna Taylor and, and this George Floyd situation. And also I'm a father, you know, so all these things accumulated gave birth to this show because now I'm not a child anymore. I'm a man. And I'm a man that instead of taking from my community and having mommy and daddy look after me, it's time for me to take my rightful place at the table and also contribute to the community that's surrounding me. And through the show, this is my my vehicle to create real change. And uh, I, I think it starts with the children that allow the 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 avenue to change their perception, and then also um, changing the perception of their parents as well. Because you know, when you're a, a parent, your your kids hold you accountable. They're like, oh, "Mommy and Daddy, you can't say that." <laughs> you know, you know how you know how it goes. You know, my yeah. even my daughter sometimes. You know, I'll say, "Oh, I did such a stupid thing." <gasps> Daddy said the S word. You know, and I'm like, "Okay, yeah." No, hold a second. Is stupid uh, S word for kids now? For my for my for my daughter, right? You know, in, okay, in okay, where, okay. Where she's okay. at, right? So I'm like, "Okay, oh, he said the S word," and I'm like, "Yeah, you know, maybe you're right. I I shouldn't have said the S word." These kids, I just wanted to use and illustrate that particular example, just to be like, 
in your day-to-day life, your kids are going to hold you accountable to things, you know? And um, again, I'm of a strong belief if we get to our children and educate them and normalize things, when they grow up and they get into positions of power and they become the leaders of tomorrow, they're not going to have the same prejudgments and biases that uh, previous generations had entered into because of lack of knowledge and lack of exposure to things, right? And I think I'm the man for it. I'm here, I'm first-generation Canadian. I understand the Canadian culture, I also understand the African culture. You know, I've had a chance of traveling a little bit. I've seen other cultures operate as well. You know, I'm a, I'm a free spirit. I'm, I'm very extremely open-minded. You know, I understand that there's a, a variety of different ways of looking at things. And everything that I, I put into my work, it's always with, uh, this is the information. What you decide to do with the information is on you. I wanted it to be the beginning of the conversation, not the end of the conversation. If it's the beginning of the conversation, it's going to lead the children and their parents or their guardians into having further discussions, right? We're in a time and space where parents are so disconnected from their children. They put their kids in school and they don't see them till five, six o'clock, then supper time, then mm. uh, shower and bedtime. Basically three, people, basically three hours. All these people have influence in your children's life. But you're limited in the amount of time that you have influence in your child's lives. So I wanted to bring parents back to the forefront and have them be the, the heroes and the heroines in their, their children's lives. And, and having this further discussion and having, sometimes it's difficult in having discussions and conversations. So, um, you know, so that's what it is. All right. So we're going to take a first break here. And uh, we're going to come back with Randy on the side. And I have a question I want to ask him, especially based on his perspective of being born in Canada, but also being exposed to African through his parents. So stay with us and we will see you on the other side. So we are back with Randy. And uh, where we left off was Randy giving us his perspective on um, basically engaging the the N-word for the first time and bringing it back to the household and how the family helped him. Now, Randy, where I'm going here is I, if you get to see all this is coming up to how this show was created. Yes. And the other question I have right now is I have a cousin in California, mm-hmm. born in the United States, but both parents from Nigeria. And the way he was raised was almost as if he was in Nigeria, but in the United States. And he's told me that the N-word never really had an effect on him, unlike his friends that were... Uh, African-Americans raised by African-American parents. Would you say the same thing for yourself as well with your engagement with other Black Canadians that did not have, maybe there were so many generations disconnected from Africa where, you know, their roots wasn't, they they didn't really have nowhere they're from really. Because for me as a Nigerian, if you tell me the N word, it doesn't bother me. I, I know where I'm from and I'm very, I'm very proud of where I'm from, you know, basically. Do you, would you say the same thing for yourself? This is the problem with that whole situation in terms of the use of the N-word. Disrespect is disrespect. Regardless if you were born in Africa or you were born here in North America, that word is used to disrespect you. I don't know what your views are when it comes to that, 
but I'll be darned if I'm gonna let somebody come through and disrespect me. You understand? So this word, when they use it, it's meant to to try to um, disrespect you and make you feel less than. Over the years, you know, as you become older, you find ways of um, navigating through those microaggressions and those disrespect because make no doubt about it um the struggle that happened in america is different from the struggles that have happened also in our own country as well but um the only difference is that there's a lie that has been told to the people that have come in from uh, africa so the lie that has been told to people that have come from africa is that, oh, you know, these American people and these Canadian people, you know, they're lazy. You know, they're lazy. If they would apply themselves and work harder, they'd be able to achieve the things that they need to achieve. You know, I came from a different country and I've been able to, you know, educate and get further ahead. I don't understand why they haven't been able to do the same and apply themselves. But you have to understand, you're now just entering into this, country. The people that have been here for a longer period of time have seen the microaggressions, the flat-out disrespect, and the systemic oppression that plagues them and follows them, not because of anything that they've done in terms of their personal character, but just because of the way that they have looked. You know, I am looking right now, I'm looking at your house. If I were to come to your house and I were to tell you, you I you know, uh, this wood that you have behind you, I think it would look better if we put cement or concrete. You would tell me to go to hell. And the reason why you <laughs> tell me to go to hell, because I don't pay your mortgage. I don't pay your mortgage. I don't pay your rent. And I, I use that jokingly, but there's parallel similarities in a sense that this system that was built was never built with you in it without your, your, um, your input into it. So already that in itself puts you on an uneven playing ground. I understand that not every single person of color is going to be on board with the direction or changes that people wanna make. So what needs to happen is you need to have allies. Allies have the ability of being able to enter into places and platforms and advocate for you. When I have this show and I'm talking to people that don't necessarily look like me, I have now building and developing future allies for our community and for communities at large. You understand? So mm -hmm. this, I'm, I'm playing the long game. I've seen it. I'm, I'm hip to it. I've seen it. I've been uh, exposed to so many different silly forms of discrimination myself personally. And I've also witnessed live so many silly things would break your heart. And again, I say, okay, well, you know, the journey is not completely finished for me, but for the people that are coming up, for my daughter and the future generations, I want things to be a little bit better. And the only way that I can do that and the only way that I know how to is to use my platform to have my voice and to try to shift the perceptions and also, again, throughout the whole while in developing allies. That's, that's the name of the game. 
So, um, you know, you look at these communities, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but you look at these communities, like you look at the LGBT uh, uh, Q plus community and they've made huge strides in getting um, getting more respect. I mean, things are not uh, obviously uh, rainbows and lollipops completely, but they've made huge strides. Every year without fail, they have um, the recognition of pride. Um, you can't enter into a workforce place without having um, material that is directly um, supporting that particular community. And again, the reason why they've been able to make such huge strides is at one point in time, it's like, listen, we need to have people in legislation. We need to have people in government. We need to have people that are lawyers. We need to have people in all these different faculties in order to push what we are fighting for, what they are fighting for. The same thing, too, as people of color, we need to now put people and have people in different platforms and different arenas to advocate for us. You know, it's, it's mm. very extremely important. And that's with any kind of movement, you know, it's not enough. The, the, the population of, 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 of people of color in Canada, there's a reason why we're called minorities in this place, right? So in order to elevate that and in order to, again, um, shift the perceptions, you need to have allies. You know, it's, it's not any different from any movement, whether it's the LGBTQ+, whether it's fighting for, for um uh female female rights women's rights it's you want to make movements you want to have change you need to have allies that's the name of the game so basically your allies your allies right now you're you're capturing them very young again i get them young i get them young and at the same time to it like i said they're they're going to be the ones to not only change the scope of things when they become adults but indirectly they're also changing and shifting the hearts of their parents and their guardians and the people that are around them. It's a win-win situation. Basically, like your sister, like, sorry, see your sister, your daughter doing with the S word. Yeah, <laughs> she's yeah basically, the S she, she's, like... she's, she's basically trying to take the S word out of you uh, or basically magnifying it for you to realize, dad, before you use the S word, really put it to the right context and don't just use it anyhow, basically. You, uh, do you have children as well? Not yet, but in the next okay. two years, I, I have told the Lord by when I turn 43, yes, definitely. I want, I want to join the community. <laughs> you will see. You will see when it comes your time to have your own children. It's really funny that you might go in and thinking that all of the things that you're going to teach your child and you have no idea of the lessons that you yourself are going to learn. You're both students <laughs> in this journey of life. It's almost mm. the same thing, too, with myself in the show. I came in with the perception and thinking that I want to change the hearts and perceptions of people. But in order for me to show up as the best version of, of myself, I also have to learn. I also have to adapt. And I also have to change. The learning is a two-way street. I didn't want to ask this question now, but since you're already there, I'm going to ask the question. And then I'll go back to the other question I had in mind. When you are doing the show, the Kujo Kid Zone show, how do you get feedback from the audience? Because your audience are kids and your audience are not really going on social media and telling you what they really want to say. And most times on this social media, the comments are turned off for anything geared towards kids. So how do you really get feedback from these little ones that 
you are putting this content out for and there's a message that you're trying to get out? Great, great, great question. So during the pandemic, I was, I, I was only supposed to create three episodes. We ended up creating 41 episodes. And the oh, wow. reason being, yeah, the reason being is that we left the floor open to children to ask questions, to send videos of themselves asking questions. So then right off the bat, I'm finding out what areas of interest children have. And then you will see overlaps of questions that are asked that other children are asking. So it, it tells you that you're on the right path in terms of tackling a particular subject, right? And then also parents. Parents, they, they, they post on social media. I've received emails. I've received emails from Kenya, from St. Louis, from Florida, from all over Canada and all over the United States, also into the UK of parents and children asking, uh, giving comments and feedback and being like, I had one particular parent who's like, wow, I had no idea. Um, I didn't know how to tackle this subject, but I saw your video when you were talking about Orange Shirt Day. It was very well done. Thank orange, you. Orange Shirt Day. What is that? Orange Shirt Day. So this is to um, shed light on the residential schools. Um, are you familiar with the residential schools? No. Oh, really? I, 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 have, a lot, I have a lot to learn, hence why you're on the show. <laughs> oh wow okay um so in a nutshell what ended up happening you know and uh, again this is in a real nutshell I'll, I'll send you the link over to that particular episode but in a nutshell i can I can, I can also I, I can also put it in the show notes as well for the audience oh cool okay um so in a nutshell what ended up happening is that the indigenous people that were here in north america and also out in other places as well were stripped of their language and their culture and forced into the schools that were governed by um, the Catholic uh, the Catholic regime. And unfortunately, during this whole time in this process, they were beaten, they were um, raped, they were molested, um, and they were forced to speak English and they were forced to adopt um, Christianity as their primary uh, sense of spirituality. What ended up happening is years and years of trauma and, you know, parents uh, and people that and a lot of people, a lot of kids also were murdered. Right. So oh, wow. uh, there there was uh, the Pope. The Pope recently had um, come to visit over uh, in Alberta, a couple of uh, tribes um, and to, you know, apologize for the, for the predecessors uh, before him that were um, uh, intimately involved in perpetuating this horrible, horrific period of time and these horrible, horrific acts. And um, so anyhow, so um, I had created an episode in talking about it. And it's a lot of school teachers use this episode to break down the complexities of this difficult subject to children. And I'd have parents being like, oh my God, um, Jerome was in his class and his school teacher showed this. And we're in Montreal. Oh, this, yeah, yeah, and I'm in Toronto. And you know, you get this feedback and, and those are the things that really um, bring joy to my heart because it's like, this is what you want. You want to have the ability of influencing and, and 
and having change and having the material be used in, in a proper way. And the same thing too, I, I had made an episode about uh, pride, right? Um, not because my, not because I belong to that particular community, but I just wanted to shed light on that. Look, I'm not telling you to tell your child what to do or what not to do, but this is a series of information. Whether you like or you don't like it, there's a, a segment of people in a variety of different cultures that belong to that particular community, right? This is what it is. You can hide and in your house and pretend that these these subjects and these topics don't exist, but your children are going to find out about them one way or another. So why don't you allow your children to learn about this community and learn about key terms so they're better equipped when they're hearing these terms um, and they're also better equipped and, and, and more um, uh, understand what's, what's happening in the world around them. Same thing too, I had created an episode for Black History Month. You know, I find it super humorous that the oldest bones have been found in Africa, making us the oldest civilization, but yet every single time we talk about Black history, it always stems from the civil rights movements and also mm. slavery. Mm. It would mm. be the equivalent of me asking your partner or your spouse or your friend to describe your character and them telling me a situation that happened when you were at your worst. That is not an indication of the, the total encompassing character of who you are. They wanna showcase this particular period of time, but they don't wanna showcase the glories of previous and past civilizations. So I went in in the Black History Month episode and I talked about Abubakar II. That said that- talked about, You talked about who? Abu Bakr II. Abu Bakr II. Okay. He traveled across the Atlantic 200 years before Christopher Columbus ever did. Hmm. Mansa Mesa, who was the world's richest man. You know, a lot of people don't know this information, but it's it's there. And, and, and it's unfortunate that we don't celebrate this information, but we use sometimes Black History Month to continuously perpetuate stereotypes and have it being mm -hmm. a very somber moment. Slavery and civil rights movement, very, very serious thing. And I'm very grateful. I wouldn't even be here talking to you if it weren't for the contributions of so many different people that were involved in that movement. But let us also celebrate our, our glory times. Let us also celebrate the, the diversity and the richness of other elements of our culture as opposed to when people look at Black History Month and being like, oh boy, here comes Harriet Tubman again. Bring out the bring out the Kleenex box, bring out everything here. Why don't we look at this time period in a in a different kind of a way, in a different kind of perspective? Right. And and that's what I, I, I try to do, and that's what I strive to do. And taking difficult subject matter and breaking it down in ways that kids can understand and parents can understand. Because you know, the thing that's super funny about it is. Kids understand things at its basic level. It's us as adults that we complicate things unnecessarily. Things don't have to be as complicated as they are. They don't need to be at all. It's us who complicates things. Hmm. Um, would, would, would you like to, not would you like, but you are very, very 
in tune with all these social cultures and social perceptions and social uh, things such as uh, Orange Shirt Day, uh, Black History Month and all that, do you f- would you characterize yourself as a social activist as well? That you're using, you're using your platform to educate these allies that you said to be able to, to propagate your message. Yeah, not, you not, could, not, 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 not your message per se, but the kind of message that you want to see out there. Yeah, I would call myself a social disruptor. You know, disruptor. I, I think okay. that um, it's high time that we, we look, at the, look at the mirror and we look at things um, and embrace a different perception. You know, things don't have to be as, compl- as complicated as they are. You know, I always end every episode by saying, be kind, be brave, be curious. Most importantly, be yourself. Be kind. Be kind to your fellow man. Be brave. Be brave in the light of uncertainty. Let go of things that no longer serve you. Um, Be yourself. It's sad that as a 41-year-old man, that it's now that I truly understand what it means to walk and embrace being different and walk in your authentic self unapologetically. If I would have learned this lesson as a child, who knows what I'd be also doing right now? You know, this world always teaches you that the source of your happiness is always coming from an external source, but it's telling you that an external source. And the reason why they tell you it's an external source, because they want to make you feel that you're un- inadequate, that you're not enough. You're always enough. You're, you're more than enough. Everything that you need to have is always lying within you. The journey, it's within It's Mm. always been within. And I want to teach people to look within, within themselves. Hold yourself accountable. Hold yourself to checks and balances. Use these opportunities and and, and moments in time to to grow. Mm. Mm. So this idea of Kujo Kid Zone, do you remember exactly when it dropped in your spirits and and how did it start to germinate? Because your, your, your experience or your your work experience prior to Kid Your Kids Zone and you going full in, into it was HR. So That's right. what, was it one day you were typing on the laptop and you were like, man, something just came into you? Because I, I, I feel that we are, we, are, we are on this earth to create. That's absolutely. why we're here. Yeah. A- absolutely. You know, um, I was in Edmonton to go visit my brother and he has a, a younger son that's roughly closer to my daughter's age. And his son was watching something very silly on, on YouTube. And this guy went down a, a slide and picked up one rock, two rock, three rock. Right? And <laughs> <laughs> no, true story, man. True story. No, I'm, la- I'm laughing because of the way you did your face. I wish the audience could see that. But, that's very <laughs> but anyway, you are, you, are, you, are, you are an animator. So there you go. <laughs> so it was, it was just super silly. And my brother jokingly was like, oh, you could totally do something like this. And then I thought about it. So wait, 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 wait. Why did your brother say that to you? Have you always had this in your family? So then this is what happened because he has two okay. older kids that are in university. But when they were young, like how his son is right now, I was the uncle. Okay, let's do a science experiment. Okay, let's go have fun. Let's go play. Let's do this, whatever. I was that uncle, right? I was the ah, fun uncle, okay. right? Okay. To get your kids all hyper and then be like, I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, 
isn't this why it's important to travel so that you get to experience how life is on the other side? But even in Canada, with all its technical, technologically, um, what will they call it, prowess, we still have downtimes. Anyway, we're back <laughs> here with uh, <laughs> we're back here with Randy, and I I was asking Randy how the idea for Kujo Kid Zone came to him and if he remembers exactly when it was and. He was taking us to when he visited his elder brother in Edmonton. So, Randy, take it on from there. Okay, so, um, so I'm I'm in Edmonton. I'm uh, visiting my brother, and uh, he has a son that's very close to the same age as my daughter. And um, his son was watching this show where this guy was going down a slide and picking up rocks, one rock, two rocks, three rocks, right, and. Um, my brother jokingly was like, you could totally do something like this, right? And I thought about it. And then I shared it, my idea with um, a friend of mine who used to work with CBC. And she's like, you're onto something much bigger than you think. So we spent about a year. And at that time, I was working at Bow Valley College, right? I was working at Bow Valley College. I was doing youth employment. I was teaching. I was in the middle of a divorce. Um, no, Randy, I think I think I must have gotten an email from you one day, one time. Oh, did you? Because I, you know, I used to be, I used to be in the recruitment industry before. Oh, right on. Okay, it's very possible. I I was I was I was a, uh, a headhunter, but I was my role was uh, business development, getting contracts with companies so that my recruiters in my team would fill those jobs. And I have a feeling that I've received an email from you, honestly, because when wow. Now you just said Bow Valley College. I feel as I've received an email from you. It's, Maybe you, you 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 sent me an email about a candidate in your pool that you felt yeah, that it's might very be possible. good for a job. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but it's very, anyway, but it's very possible. I, I just wanted to say that. Yeah. So um, yeah, it was in the, it was in the middle of uh, um, of multiple storms at the same time. A storm of going through a divorce. A storm of a career change. A storm of finding out myself and my authentic self and my voice in all of this stuff. And this birthed the creation of the show. So in the year that I spent uh, working on and developing the show concept, I wanted to pay homage to my, my ancestry. So I don't know if you're familiar with it, but in the Ganyan culture, they named their children by the days of the week. It could be your primary name. It could be your secondary name. It could be your nickname. So Cujo is a boy born on a Monday, and I'm a boy born on a Monday, so thus my name is Cujo, right? Um, We got puppets, um, and we got someone to make these puppets. And my my parents have this bird. It's an African great parrot, and African great parrots have, like, the mental capacity of, like, a three- or four-year-old kid. They're very, very intelligent. And this parrot is very rotten. And I said, what a nice way to have a character who's kind of a little bit sassy, almost like Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy um, kind of play off with each other um, in sibling rivalry. So that's what, what we wanted to create. So we had created that. And then I said, okay, I need to be true. I need to have my dashiki. I need to, to fully embrace this role. And we were only supposed to make three episodes. And then I had quit my job. And I said... What year was this? This was 20... 
2019. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I quit my job and I said, look, you know, um, I said to myself, I'm either going to be homeless in the mustard seed or I'm going to be highly successful in doing it. And either way, I'm willing to deal with the consequences that that stem from either situation, you know. So I, I went in both feet and we had done an episode roughly around the time of the, the George Floyd incident that had happened. And um, so we're, 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 we're talking May 2020. May 2020. So yeah. around that time, I created an episode. And it, the reason why I created that episode was I have a daughter. And I'm like, how am I going to break down and explain the things that are happening in the world around her? I have no control over what's happening in her, her mom's household. I don't know the stories that are being told and shared and how they're being explained. So I said, I have to be the one to, to bridge this, this, this gap. But I'm like, if I'm having difficulty, difficulty in explaining this, by all means, there's other parents that are having difficulty as well. So I created an episode and went to the different um, marches that were happening out over here in Calgary. I was keeping abreast to what was happening around the world globally as well. And I said, how am I going to break this down so that kids can understand? So I'm like, okay, what is privilege? I'm like, okay, well, let's say two people. One person has long hair and one person has really short hair. But all the people with long hair can play with a toy. Then the people that have long hair have privilege because only they are allowed to play with this particular toy. When you break it down in layman terms like that, it makes it very easy for kids to understand that, oh, that's not right. It's not fair. We huh. take that, we park it. We talk about melanin and, and your skin and how it's a result of uh, your, your, your DNA and, and your, your past, past uh, ancestors in terms of determining your, your eye, your hair color, and also your skin pigmentation and what that comes along with it. We broke it down. We broke it down for kids and parents to understand. And the amount of parents that came to me and thanking me for creating an episode like this with the help, of course, of my, my wonderful team, it, it, it lit a fire under me. We did a press release and it went viral. CTV, Calgary Herald, Global Television, all of them, they came out of the woodwork and wanting to, to interview uh, myself and my team and find out more about what it is that we're trying to do. And that led to further opportunities. The Calgary Film Festival reached out to us and wanting us to do the opening monologue for the Calgary Film Festival. Uh, ironically, uh, a platform that deals with children's television shows that had that particular gentleman uh, on their roster invited us to be part of their platform. And I said, which, yeah, which, by all which, means. Which, which particular gentleman are you referring to? Oh no, I, I don't want to. to oh, okay, our, okay. You know. Because when you, you you can't just say that, and, and I'm like, whoa, I'm following this story intently. So okay, yeah. So let's 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 just call him X. Okay, continue. Person X, and you know what? I I can never knock anybody's hustle because you know, um, putting yourself out there and uh, putting something out creatively, I will never knock anybody's hustle for that. Never. I, I okay. can't. I'm in no okay. position to do so. However, the disconnect. And what the opportunity showed me was that this particular concept can be massaged to having 
another presence and another angle to teaching children. So I'm thankful for it. So we got invited to be part of this platform. We did a crowdsourcing campaign. It was very successful. We raised, we raised some money. Um, we got we received the, the Calgary Black Chamber Award um, for excellence in education. We got nominated Calgary Top 20 for 2020. You know, all these things. Calgary Queer Arts Society is like, we want you to take part in our conference that we're going to be hosting. So let's all these different opportunities and further exposure. And then with this, it led to other opportunities. So we continued to, um, uh, to finesse our brand and we applied for grants and we got rejected. And then finally we got one from Shop. And that was the grant that allowed us to create the 14 new episodes that we filmed three weeks ago. Huh. The 14 episodes that we filmed three weeks ago I had a real, a real team. You know, before it was myself, my business partner, we had an editor, we had the puppets. We always had a program advisory board keeping us honest that were full of uh, early childhood educators, uh, social workers, and psychologists to ensure that when we're writing scripts that it's aligned with um, terms that are correct and information that is current and not outdated. So with the program that we had with Shaw, it was, it was difficult because they had also partnered us with some mentors that really challenged how we had seen the show. And I'm actually very thankful for that process because my ego had to die. I had seen my show in a particular way, but they were showing me a different way, a different pathway of being able to also get my message across in a way that is more entertaining and also educational and being able to bridge the gap for both. Prior to that, my, my show was somewhat entertainment, entertaining, but very highly educational. And you need to have that, 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 that bridge. My director that I have has been nominated for a short film and a winner in a short film in Berlin. The person that uh, is our, our camera person has been also nominated and has been receiving a lot of recognition. The person that has mic'd us up had mic'd up Gene Hackman, Clint Eastwood, Russell Crowe, Brad Pitt. So, and they wanted to be part of this. People saw the value in the show and they wanted to be part of it and contribute towards it. That show, everything with the show had taught me so many lessons and manifesting, and belief, and networking, and discipline, and perseverance, so much. I went in with the mindset of, again, of teaching people, and I myself have been humbled and, 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 and taught so many different valuable life lessons along the way and along the journey. Huh. Now, our show, we had uh, a couple of hundred views when we first started. Now we're over a million views across different platforms. We're on a platform in the United States, Sensical Television. We're on a platform here in Canada, Kadoodle Television. We had used our show as a way to teach English as a second language to junior high schools in Taiwan and Vietnam back in September. We had reached um, numerous amount of households 
across Canada, across the United States, trickling into the UK, trickling into Africa. You know, this show is just starting to bubble at its surface and it's about to blow in a, in a major way. We had participated in the Banff World Media Festival last year. I had an opportunity of pitching to Sesame Street, to PBS, to CBC. This idea that started off as being a joke led me to meet people that wanted to work with me and my business partner and the rest of the team in order to have this vision pushed forward. It helped me understand so much things. You don't have to be the subject matter expert. You don't have to be the best in order to get something done. If you believe in it, you know that saying goes, you know, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. People forget that within you, within everybody in our community, we have the ability of change. We have the ability of contributing to our communities. And you don't have to be an expert in doing it. My background is not in acting. I'm an HR person. I never went to school in it. But you know what? I had to learn about all of these different camera angles and the methods that had gone behind it. Filming for two to three hours for an episode that's seven minutes. Editing for 10 hours for an episode that's seven minutes. You develop a level of appreciation. So when you see a commercial on television or a film that you dislike, you'll be like, this is not the film that I myself personally enjoy, but I respect the creative process behind it because I get it. I understand. It's a Mm. drive. So I I want to go back to the mission. I wanted to use the word machinations of the idea to to basically how it's created. So you... In Bow Valley College, <clears throat> your brother puts this thought in your ear when you go to see him in Edmonton that you can do this. And then you come back to your work desk and so many things are happening in your personal life, divorce and everything that comes with it. Now, and then you decide to quit your job and say, I'm going into this thing full circle. By the way, if you're listening to this, Mustard Seed is an organization here in Calgary that uh, basically handles uh, anything to do with homelessness, uh, trying to not put a stigma to it. And uh I have a friend of mine who actually has come on the show yesterday, Lanray, that uh, does a lot of volunteer work with them uh, through uh, his organization as well. So how did you take this thing from when it came into your soul and you owned it to starting to put flesh around the bones, considering that you don't have a network in this space, you don't have an agent in this space. So it's like, you don't have anybody. You're basically starting Randy, entering early child education and stuff. How did you navigate all those obstacles to be able to get to this place that you have had uh, the, the Jean, sorry, what's the name of the lady that is going to space as a black woman? Jeanette Epps. Jeanette, Jeanette Epps. Now yeah. you took you took what you took in 2020 and now Jeanette Epps is coming because I want to understand the flesh around the bones. I really want to stay there because a lot of people just see, a lot of people just see Cujo and Randy but they don't know that, hey, <laughs> there's been a lot of uh, metamorph- metamorphosis that has happened before Randy and Kujo became to Randy and Kujo. Uh, absolutely. And it starts off with, um, it starts off with belief. You know, a lot of people think that, you know, uh, you know, you believe in something, but you don't necessarily, are not willing to make the sacrifices and taking the actions towards whatever it is, whatever goal that you want. 
to have. I had a vision in my mind. And as I continued to walk towards this vision, the vision also equally walked towards me mm. and started bringing people into my life and also maturing me to get to the stage and to be prepared to where I needed to be. The first time I, I filmed, so we, we spent about a year putting this concept. We had business cards. We had a website. We got puppets. Okay. First how, how did, how, one second. How did, you, how did you get connected to the lady in CBC, by the way? <laughs> I worked. You know the craziest thing? She worked a floor above me. Oh, okay. And then I had met her and, and subsequently started talking. And she had interviewed me one time because they were looking for a French speaker. And I can speak French because I grew up in Montreal. Oh, and then okay. we, started, we started talking. Coincidence, and, remember? Coincidence. Yeah, coin, coin, we, we started talking. <laughs> And um, she's, uh, she's been solid. She's been my, my right-hand person and one of my biggest cheerleaders in, in this business. And the irony, too, is also she's an older Caucasian lady that had said, you know, like, look, I see your vision. I see what you're trying to do. Let's, let's make it happen. Let's, let's do it. Let's work towards it. And she's phenomenal in terms of believing, infusing um, finances, infusing her time, her skill set, her expertise, and her network. And it was, it's a phenomenal thing. That in itself tells me, again, I tell you in terms of allyship and in terms of the, 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 the power of bringing people together. We're all, you know, I know it, it sounds you know, super cheesemo and super cliche. At the end of the day, <laughs> there's far more things that we have in common than there are things that separate us. We want to live in communities. We want to have impact in our communities. We want our kids to be safe. We want to be safe. We want to have equal opportunities for different circumstances. We want to live peacefully amongst each other. This, I don't care if you're black, white, orange, or blue. From the KKK grandmaster to uh, whoever it is, we want similar things. How we go about them might be different, but we always want similar things. We want more similar things than we, than we care to share. That was kind of the beauty of all of these circumstances that have happened around the world. They have found a way of bringing in very difficult things into the limelight and having these difficult discussions and also bringing us together to overcome things. When everything is said and done, when we have to move in a particular direction, and when we collectively work together, we can accomplish so much more things. Uh. So this whole idea of manifesting, I believed in it. And then the more I started believing in it, the more things started happening. Because at the beginning, there's a high amount of doubt. You know, uh. you can't talk. You can't talk to people about this stuff. <laughs> because you, you talk to them at, at the beginning earlier on. And they don't see your vision. You know, I, I equate it to like right now it's like plus 30, right? It would be as ridiculous as me walking outside with a chinchilla coat and uh, a scarf and mittens. People would look at me like I'm crazy. But guess what? Winter's going to come one day. And when winter comes, I'm already ready. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're, ba you're, basically, you're basically walking into winter. <laughs> I joke around and I say that, but to be a creative 
to start and embark on an idea, you feel as ridiculous as that person that is wearing this fur coat and plus 30 degrees. Mm. This is the world that I navigate in every single day of my life. But it takes people to think and look at things differently in order to have any kind of change. So the more and more these small victories started to accumulate, the more bolder and bolder I became in terms of my expectations for the things that I wanted. A lot of people don't chase after their dreams because of the perception of their family or their friends or negative circumstances that have happened to them limit their belief in what they can achieve because they'll go towards something and their own mind will be like, remember that time you try to start the business and you almost became bankrupt? Remember that time you try to do this? And all these negative things prevent you from trying to achieve your goals. So you have to fill your mind with situations that make you feel uncomfortable. You talk about traveling. Traveling is a beautiful thing, but walking into a different culture, traveling, backpacking, or taking a plane, it's frightening and it's uncomfortable. But through that uncomfortable situation, there's growth. You drive in town and you get lost. Guess what? It's uncomfortable and trying to reroute yourself, but now you mm -hmm. found a new path to navigate to your destination, right? So I stored myself with so much positive things that the whispers of doubt became less and less. And the people that doubt started to become less and less because they see that you're really about your hustle and you're really about your grind and they're, they're forced to respect it, mm. you know? And, you know, like, um, um, it's super important to, to, to put yourself in these uncomfortable situations for growth, you know, and uh, I, I relish in that. I might not necessarily have the technical abilities of some other people, but I'll be darned if you try to out-hustle me or have more ambition than me. You can't win. You won't win. Mm. Because so I'm willing to go to places in my mind, I'm willing to make sacrifices that a lot of people are not necessarily willing to make. Mm. And, and, and that's the reason why, uh, you know, this vision has become more and more successful. And then plus also like the people you connect with, you know, I've been in work environments and I'm sure you have been as well, where you're working with people that dislike you and you dislike them equally, but you have to play the game of work, oh, Susan, oh my God, how was your weekend? Oh, man, like I care, like she cares and listening to what I have to share. <laughs> like I care. But in having this company and being in a position of leadership, I can choose the people that I work with. So I challenge anybody that has any kind of ideas why everybody's going to eventually pass. The only difference between myself and another person is that person wants to safely get to the ending destination. Everyone's going to pass. I'm like, why don't you live an extraordinary life? Mm. We all have a finite amount of time in this planet. What's stopping you from living an extraordinary life? What's stopping you from working with the people you want to work with? What's stopping you from challenging yourself to 
go after your dreams and aspirations. It's you. Mm. It's mm. you yourself. Mm. That's it. Mm. So in this company now, it's, you can say, safely two years old now? No. It's been uh, probably four and a half years. Four and a half years. Okay. It's been two, uh, roughly two and a half years that, you know, I've, I've been doing this in terms of my full-time employment, but the company has been around for four and a half years. Oh, so basically when the concept came in and how the concept developed and stuff, and then you started to produce products alongside the company. All right. So with you being the leader, if I may ask, and not even having any background in any of the things that you're doing right now, what's the magic sauce that you bring to the table? What's the magic sauce? That you bring. I know you're. I know. I know you're wow. the vision. I know you're the vision bearer, but you're also the guy behind. You're also the guy that I see when I see Kujo when I go on YouTube and I, I and I start watching the show. What, what what do you really bring? People people dig my energy. People dig my vision. A lot of people work day to day in jobs that don't fulfill them. the The reason they do the job is to collect their paycheck to pay off their, their bills, but they're not truly inspired. Um, I work with people and I make work fun. Um, and I trust in the abilities of the, of, of the people that I work with for them to do what they need to do. Look, there's a whole lot of things I don't know, but I don't need to be the subject matter expert in it. I need to know just a little bit of it, but I trust and have employed you to do your job of what you need to do. So I empower people to, to bring out the best and to also add their ingredients and flavor to this dish that we've created four and a half years ago. And everybody adds their different flavoring and their spices to it to make it a magnificent dish. I think what I bring is I bring people collectively together towards working towards a common goal. And I'm willing to take the financial risk partially as well and the risk of being potentially humiliated and the risk of it failing. I have to, I have to endure that. That lies on my back, right? Mm-hmm. So the risk that's involved, it's, it's, a, it's a huge one. But I think really the secret sauce is working with people that know more than I do in mm-hmm. areas that I'm not a subject matter expert in. Why bother wasting uh, a million years into trying to discover the nuances of a particular position when some people are very extremely passionate about what it is that they do? Bring that person on board. Give them what your expectations are, but live, leave a, a, a freedom, a certain level of freedom to them to also add to this dish of what they bring to the table creatively. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the mm-hmm. secret, just being open-minded. How, how, did they, how, did, how did you guys convince uh, Jean, the NASA lady, to come on the show? My business partner, Donna, um, shout out to Donna Gray, um, sent emails for six months straight back to, to, to her, to, to only her. No, just to the NASA organization. Back and okay, forth. okay. But see, this is where it is. You have to dare to dream. Hmm. You have to dare to dream. 
You have to be so bold and have the audacity to dream. And because we had the audacity to dream, we were rewarded in having uh, a Black female astronaut by the name of Jeanette Epps that is inspiring people right now as we speak, that had gone through, I can't even imagine what she had to go through in terms of the competition and her schooling and the sacrifices that she had to make on a personal and professional level to get to where she's at right now. But you have to dare to be bold. You can't play safe. You know when they say, oh, you know, you know, think outside the box. I live outside of the box. I live every day outside of the box. Because when you are in the box, you are limited. You can't go up, you can't go down. You're here in this particular space. And as long as you think of being in this particular space, how can you potentially imagine the world outside of this box? Hmm. I live outside of this box. I'm in that fur coat in plus 30 degrees. <laughs> and I'm unapologetic about it. Because hmm. I know that it's, it's a beautiful place to be outside of this box. And the way you think and not being limited in the expectations or what you bring to the table. You don't have to be the best. You don't have to be an expert. You put your mind to something and the world, the universe, God, whatever it is that you subscribe to will find ways of bringing people into your life and, and, and also um, um, having favorable circumstances enter into your, into your way. I, I, I'm a firm believer in that. I see it. I experience it. Mm. So uh, why did why was Donna so focused on NASA for six months? Why, why, was, why, was, why was Donna so focused on, on on NASA for six months? And why were you why were you guys just focused on that particular organization? What what value was NASA mm. going to bring to the show? This is what happened. The format of our show: a kid comes into this community center. They ask me a question. We embark on a journey to find out the answer to this question. Along the way in finding out the answer to this question, we like to bring in a subject matter expert, specifically a subject matter expert from a marginalized community, because we're showcasing and normalizing that there are people that may not, not look like you that have the ability of dropping gems to you. It's time for people to challenge their perspective on who can be the subject matter expert in different ways. It's followed by a song that reinforces the lessons that were learned. Then it's capped with a conclusion. And in the conclusion, we always end it, be kind, be brave, be curious, most importantly, be yourself. So in this particular episode, we wanted to focus, it was something silly like, is the moon made out of cheese? So then we get a subject matter expert in Jeanette Epps, and she broke down what it's like being in space. If there's, if there's truth to that, we had an episode about disabilities, why people look differently than us. We had a Paralympian join us, and he was the subject matter expert, you know? And um, then we had done an episode, what country is the pride flag from? We did episodes on uh, what's the best hairstyle for you? And in Doing this episode, we had discovered that, hey, every hairstyle is right for you as long as you, you embrace it. 
embrace your differences. Embrace, we talked about locks, where locks come from. You know, we talked about the different hairstyles that are present. We talked about, uh, is Kwanzaa different than uh, Christmas? How is Kwanzaa different from Christmas? We talk about these things. And in talking about them, again, we are educating people in a very fun way and normalizing things for future generations and leaders. And at the same time, as well, educating parents as well, parents that are watching. Kids are asking their parents, we're shifting and changing the narrative. This is our contribution. Because I myself, I'm bold in what I want and what I do. The people around me become bold in what they want and what they can achieve. She looked at NASA. And at first I'm like, oh, oh, okay. And six months later, she got them. I sent a package to them last week. I'm at the shopper's drug mart and shipping and receiving, and I'm sending a passage that has the address of NASA on it. The woman looks at it and she looks at me and she has no idea how somebody <laughs> like me or someone that looks like me can be can can have this connection with NASA. Mm -hmm. You know, it's um it's it's ridiculous, you know, but it's when you're bold and you have success. Like, look, we have Jeanette Epps from NASA. Am I going to go down with my level of expectations or am I going to continue to move forward and go up? The answer is I'm going to continue to move forward and up. I'm like, are you kidding me? I just talked to a female astronaut, just an astronaut, period. People won't have that conversation with them in their lifetimes. Uh. But we did it. Huh. You know, and there's more to come. This wow. was a joke. This idea was a joke. I talked. I was in a room just in July at the Banff Media Festival that happened. I'm sitting in a dinner on my left of me. I have um, distributors in front of me. I have PBS, another place, Nickelodeon. They're all in this. I'm in the room with them. Huh. You have to dream and dream big. Big. Wow. If people knew. So, if people knew. Mm. If people so knew. So let's, uh, let's uh, transition to the next uh, uh, section here. We're just going to take a, probably a final break. And uh, we're going to have uh, Randy back. I have a few questions I want to ask Randy, especially about uh, where he wants to take uh, Kujo Kids on to. And then we are going to go to the other segments of the show that uh, the audience is used to. So, Randy, thanks very much for you staying on. And I really appreciate your time. So I'll see you shortly on the other side, okay? Hey, sounds good. Thank you, man. All right. So I'm back with Randy. And uh, we left off where Randy was sharing how they were able to get uh, Jeanette Epps on the show from NASA. And you can see the power of persistence. But I think for me, the, one of the things that I really wanted to just highlight here before we, I go ask my next question to... Randy is the power of an idea and how your idea would bring people to you. Without the idea for Kujo Kids on, there is no way <laughs> Randy will be sending an, an, a, a, a mail to, to NASA or even having Jeanette Epps on the show. So if you have an idea out there, regardless of how stupid it is, start putting flesh around the bones. So Randy, 
you've got NASA now coming on the show. And the, the, the current mode of distribution for the show right now is YouTube. Is that is that correct? It's on YouTube, YouTube Kids, Kududo Television, and Sensical Television. Um, right now, we're looking um, as soon as the show gets edited. So we just filmed three weeks ago. It should be finished edited. Um, editing by the end of September, first week of October. We'll probably release a couple of Vinette's uh, shows. And then we're going to tackle distributors to have them knock on the doors of the Nickelodeons and Disney's and Netflix and the Craves of the World. We want to take this show to be on a major broadcasting platform. Uh, with the new version of the show that we had just filmed three weeks ago, I believe in my heart of hearts that that's exactly the direction that the show is heading into. Mm. So there was something you said earlier that I, 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 I put a, a pin to that and I want to move that pin now where you said initially Kujo Kid Zone was more educational and a little bit, let me just tell you how I, I, I what, when you said it, this is what went to my head, 70% education, 30% entertainment. Cor mm. is, is that a is that a correct kind of uh, percentage yeah okay and then you you started to bring subject matter experts and started to get this grant from shore and these people started to educate you on maybe moving it a little bit 50 50 is that also correct it's just a different way of narration right okay like, all right um so for example like right now you're you're in front of the the computer you have one static camera and it was very much like that for a lot of the episodes that I had filmed. But now there's different camera angles. There's different close-ups. There's angles. There's lighting. There's sound. There's costumes. There's set design. There's so much more things to make the episodes more dynamic. That in itself is going to grab the attention. What's the use of having the best educational information but in the way you're delivering it, it's flat, right? Mm. We, uh -huh. we made the most of, of the resources that we had at that time. And to put it in perspective, if we use the most of what we had with the resources at that time, which was limited, and we were able to get onto these different platforms, um, get the grants and get the people that are necessary to help us take the show to the next level. Now, the show has all these different professionals and experts and their rightful domain. The show can only go upward. Mm. You understand? Mm -hmm. It can only go upward. Now, with the storytelling, with the uh, background, we have fantastic children actors accompany us we have a new puppet who's indigenous we have um a, a kindergarten teacher that was also joining us we had a professional musician compose things this version of the show is what's going to take this brand and this show and this concept to the next level mm -hmm. this is worthy this show where it is now and how it's been put together is worthy to be put in front of an audience for Netflix. It's worthy to be put in an audience for Disney or Crave or HBO or whatever platform. It's there mm. now. Mm. Okay, so this new version of the show, 
will be coming out live from September. So if I'm watching, if I've got a child or I'm a, I'm a parent watching, looking for new new something new content to educate my child, the new the new branding I don't want to say the new direction for Kujo Kid Zone would would be coming out in September, correct? Yeah, we're gonna release just a couple of episodes because we want to okay. keep the bulk of the episodes um, intact, so that way we can say, "Hey, this is season one of this new iteration of the show. These are the characters from the old show that are now on this new show. These are characters that you're familiar with. These are actually some new characters that are also coming on board as well, mm. and it's going to be phenomenal. I'm also my worst critique because." It's I'm involved in it very intimately, right? Mm. The older version of the show, it's still you can watch it and you can still gain tons of information and educational content from it. Absolutely. But the direction of the show, the way it is now, it's it's um it's apples and oranges. It's still valid. All the other previous episodes are still phenomenal. And uh there's still great resources of, of information and content. Um, but this version, this this is it right here. This is what's going to to be like. Yeah, that 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 man was on my podcast, and um, uh, he said he was going to do it, and here it is. I'm turning on my Netflix, and there's the show. I'm turning on my Disney Channel, and here's the show. I'm walking in Walmart, and I see uh, dolls, and I see that this is the hottest toy right now. This is the hottest game right now. This is the appearances this person is making. This is the magazine covers that this person is on. If not me, then who else? Dream big. So basically, I was about to ask the question, five years from now, where will Kujo Kids Zone be? You basically already answered that question. Five years from now, with your new child, your new child is going to have the Kujo, Kujo doll in the left-hand side and in the right-hand side another uh, doll from a character from my show and having the Kujo blanket and having the <laughs> <Kujo> <laughs> I love this. Basically, you are you you want to be like a Marvel right now. That's what it is. That's what it is. Why not? Why not? That's what I'm saying is that you dream and you dream big and you dream and you're unapologetic about it. The only people that put limitations is ourselves. Huh. If anything that anybody can walk away from, and even yourself included, is that dream big and be unapologetic. This show started off, again, as a joke that my, my brother had challenged me. And I took it upon myself and with the help of so many phenomenal people that believed in this project, and it is here right now, four years later, two and a half years. I've been using this show. This is my my focus. This is mm. what I do. Mm. This is what I do. I've had conversations with Sesame Street. I've had conversations ongoing with CBC. Mm. This was an mm. idea. Mm. This was an idea that is now a solidified business. Mm. Mm. That, that's 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 deep man so um this other question i wanted to ask is one of the tenets of this show is about travel and i feel that travel is one of the best uh, form of education out there and when we 
when we coincidentally, which I still don't believe, I still I don't believe anything is coincidence. Everything happens for a reason. Um, when we met and we had that short conversation, and you were telling me the places you've been to, um, what has travel done for you, man? With all the places you've been to, because I know you you told me the Caribbean and some other countries, and Italy. You told me about Italy, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what? Traveling has taught me that I need to travel more. <laughs> Seriously. Right. It needs to tell me that you need to travel more because it opens up your your perspective. It helps you appreciate things that you have in your life currently and how other people live and what other people value. Right. It helps you appreciate it and it helps you to see environments of nature and and that would blow your mind that you, you would never be privy to in your area. And a lot of people, you know, sometimes are very extremely comfortable in their area that they're in, but that comfort level comes with the price of complacency and it comes with the price of limitations um, and your awareness of, of other people and other cultures that are around you. And also mm. possibilities of also, oh, wow, okay. Hmm, maybe I can start a business here or hmm, I can, the world is, is so big. Why would you ever want to be limited to the area that you, that you live in currently right now, geographically? Hmm. Why would you ever look at that, at it like that? The world is huge. It's massive. Traveling has taught me, I've been over to Nigeria, I've been to Ghana, I've been to Togo, I've been to Italy. I've been to Dominican, I've been to Jamaica, I've been to Trinidad, I've been to Mexico, all over the States, different places in Canada. Um, I want to definitely head out over to Asia uh, very soon in the near future. And I definitely want to head over to um, Brazil and, and some other places in, uh, in some other places in Central America. I, I want to, once you travel and you see things, you can't forget, you can't unsee what you saw. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You yeah, can't yeah, yeah. unsee what you saw, right? And again, you have a different level of appreciation, even people around you, when you see other people from different cultures. You know, I, I went to Italy. I went to Italy and I didn't even want to go. I didn't even what, want what, to go. What, 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 what took you there? Well, Why did you, you go know, to Italy? It was, uh, what is it? Uh, honey, I went there for a honeymoon. Oh, okay. I need for my for my previous marriage. And I didn't even really want to go. And I went and I'm like, ah, okay. I understand and I get it. When I interact with Italian people and they tell me where they're from, I'm like, oh yeah, I was there. Mm. It was a very cool place. Mm-hmm. Even in terms of how they how how certain people think or perceive things. I have a better understanding now because I see I was exposed to a way of life that I wouldn't have been exposed to had I not gone to that person's homeland to travel there. Same thing too in going to the Caribbean. I understand and I get it now. Oh my God. Okay, I understand why these people from this area have this kind of vibe and energy to them. Mm. Look at where they're from. Oh, wow. Okay, I get it. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can see the pride and emotion involved with with individuals from this particular place oh wow yeah if you lived here you'd probably be like that too yeah okay mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it, it's 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 a 
traveling is a, it's a, it's one of those things that, you know, it's unfortunate that a lot of times people put it off uh, to the end being like, oh, okay, when I retire, I'm going to travel around the world. Who's to say your health is going to be intact when you get to 65 or 70? You have an mm-hmm. opportunity of doing it now, do it now. True. Expand your mind. Mm-hmm. You know? It, it, it. There's a question I wanted I want to ask you, and it, it's something that we touched on before we pressed the uh, record uh, when uh, we started this uh, conversation together. And it's something that both of us have experienced. And you don't need to, we don't need to go into the weeds of what caused that event to happen. But as as a man, what have you learned from your divorce? Wow, um, I learned so much, so much. I learned one of, one of, okay, so first things first, when I, when I had initiated that particular divorce, you know, and, um, you know, we had gone through, you know, so many different things, and I don't want to get into it, but um, the takeaway from that was, in any relationship that you have with somebody, there needs to be interdependence, Okay as opposed to codependency. And the difference between the two is as such, codependency is you are responsible for my happiness, Mm. right? If I'm not happy in this relationship, it's your fault. You need to make me happy. If I'm feeling down, it's your job to make me feel okay, Mm. right? Yep. Interdependence is like, look, you're Apple. I'm Microsoft. We were individually powerful before we came together. You put Apple and Microsoft together to form a new company. You know how powerful that company would be? It's the same thing when you have two people involved in a relationship. You are your own individual person that has aspirations, that had a life before you got into the relationship. You know, And I think as a man, unfortunately, we've been told this uh, very outdated concept of happy wife, happy life at the demise of your own dreams and your own happiness. Mm. Again, forcing and perpetuating that level of codependency, right? When you have somebody in your, in your life and in your corner, you're supposed to find ways of challenging each other and, and, and bringing each other up. The woman or man or whatever that situation looks like is a reflection of you. <laughs> They're holding up a mirror to you. The things that you hate and you dislike in your own self is just mirrored in front of you, right? You can take it as an opportunity to, to grow. I read books. I looked at podcasts. I embarked in a company that kept me preoccupied. I quit the, the job that I was in, I reevaluated my spirituality and my relationship with myself. I, I, I understood my self-worth, right? That my self-worth, again, the key word is self. I don't need to worry about the validation of anybody externally. I also saw past the lie that, oh, wait a second, having a house, being married and having a child isn't the end all be all towards your own happiness, right? 
It's not the end all be all of being a successful person. If you don't have any of those things, you are still a person that needs to be respected and loved, right? It doesn't make you a better person to have any of those things, mm-hmm. right? As same thing, it doesn't make you a worse person than having those things, right? Mm-hmm. And, it, and it taught me to want and strive for, for more things. And uh, I'm very grateful for, for that and help me grow in ways. It would take another podcast to, to scratch the surface of all of those lessons that are, are, are that were learned in terms of the dynamics between um, uh, men and women in, in the relationships, navigating and being divorced and having a child, navigating in terms of that partner, having another partner, now subsequently having a child. It's, it's, it's a very, very interesting experience. And it forces you to mature in ways that you never thought imaginable. And all of those things ultimately lead to you growing. And growth is always a beautiful thing. It can only Mm. make you and sharpen you to be a better version of yourself. Mm. So that's what it was like for for myself personally. With everything you've learned so far from this situation, would you get married again? I don't think so. Hmm. May I ask myself, why? myself personally, because this, you know, it's really funny. When I was married before, anybody that was involved in a common law relationship that wasn't married, I would frown upon them. I'd be like, <laughs> why hasn't this person? made the ultimate commitment and showed their love and dedication by marrying them. Hmm. All roads lead to Rome, right? The most important part is getting there. Whether you're married or you're not married or you're living in common law or whatever the case looks like, the key word is the relationship. Nothing, in my opinion, supersedes the relationship. You can put all kinds of filters and tags and titles to whatever it is, but the relationship, in my opinion, is the most important thing to look at. I don't want to necessarily, myself personally, in terms of being caught up in the titles of things and what have you, no. Whoever is going to be my life partner in the future, whatever that looks like, you know, will understand and know where I'm coming from in terms of like, look, I want to focus on the relationship and not the expectations that come along with having titles of things, right? Um, I remember somebody told me so eloquently, and when I asked him, I'm like, you know, what is the secret towards marriage? And he's told me, he's like, son, marriage is the only institution to which you've been awarded a certificate for work that you've yet to put in. Being on this side of the fence, I understand and I get it. And also life, there's life beyond being, marriage is not the end all be all. You know, a lot of people sometimes equate certain milestones in your life with the success or maturity of you as a person. So what, if you're a woman and you're 30 years old and you don't have a child, are you a failure? If you're a man and you're 35 and you're not married, are you a failure as well? If you're not living in the suburbs in a picket fence 
does it make or does it diminish your value as a person? Miss me all day with that stuff. Give me the give me the basics of the relationship and let us focus on the relationship and ride into and enjoy and stay present in this current time and this space for what is the remainder of our days and, and enter into this journey and not feel obligated to being with someone that maybe you've grown, you've outgrown or that person has outgrown you, you mm. know? Mm-hmm. So, so, so your philosophy now is small companionship now. Yeah. I want to, everything, in my opinion, again, this is me. Everything, in my opinion, stems from the companionship. You know, be friends. Be friends with this person, really. You know, understand that. Um, because sometimes we have, again, that codependency. Oh, you're my husband. As my husband, I expect you to do this. You're my wife. I expect you to. Why didn't you say this when I had said that? How, why didn't you respond like this when I did this? Hey, this is not a theatrical play. This is not a a, a Shakespearean event. This is life, mm. you know. Mm. Yeah. All right. So, um, would you say, um, in terms of destabilizing event that has happened to you and how you rebounded from it, would you say the demise of your marriage is that, or there's something else that really hits you and uh, uh, that it was like, man, that that one was the one for me. And how did you rebound from that? Just life, you know, you have to be a, you have to be a soldier and a trooper in this life. You know, the, the marriage was definitely uh, one of the latest incidences, incidences <laughs> that have come about in terms of, of, of that growth that led to a huge growth spurt, but just day-to-day life and, and analyzing and holding yourself to checks and balances um, another event that happened that really put things in perspective was I went skydiving a year ago. Mm. It was one of the best experiences in my life up there with the birth of my daughter, up there with my company. Why did, you do, why, why, why did you do it? Skydiving taught me everything I needed to know about fear. I wanted to go skydiving because I'm, I'm not actually fond of heights. It's something that I wanted to challenge myself to do. So the first, so when I first had the idea of skydiving, I had um, I had a, a buddy of mine that I wanted to go with. And I'm like, hey, you want to go skydiving? Oh, my pet hamster is having a triple bypass surgery. <laughs> my, my dog needs a blood transfusion. Ah. It's like silliness, right? But, yeah, yeah. but it was important because... Everything you do in life has to come from within. It has to be intrinsic. It shouldn't be dependent on someone joining you or not. If you want to do it, go and do it. Lesson number one. Lesson number two. I I listed all the things I was afraid of. I'm afraid I'm going to die. I'm afraid I'm going to be paraplegic. There's no elevators in my condo unit. So then I'm really in a big trouble if something goes sideways. Um, I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to see my, my daughter. You know, I'm afraid I'm not going to have the chance of saying goodbye to my loved ones. You know, people think that having courage or being brave is not having fear. That's a lie. Having courage and being brave is acknowledging you're afraid. And despite being afraid, still going through with it. That's the difference. 
Now, the next thing is the facts. Facts. The only thing dividing your car from a semi-truck is a white dotted line. Mm. You have no idea the mindset of the person on the other lane. That person in the other lane could have lost their job, could be going through a terminally ill disease, could have walked into their husband or wife having adultery or whatever. You don't know. But when we drive, we have this false illusion that we're in control because we are the ones that are turning the wheel, right? You're more likely to get into an accident on the highway than you are to have something happen in while you're skydiving or in the air. These are the facts. Inspiration. I saw a nine-year-old woman on her 90th birthday with her whole family being on the ground waiting for her skydive. That message is so powerful. If I'm nine years old and I can do this, how dare you ever look at anything in your life and not be motivated and challenged to overcoming your fear? Then I saw an eight-year-old girl go skydiving with her dad in like France or something. And they're like, how was it? She's like, meh, it's okay. Ah. <laughs> meh. <laughs> You're an eight-year-old girl. And you didn't urinate or defecate on yourself. Your heart didn't explode. You didn't have a heart attack. I said, listen, I've seen enough. If this nine-year-old woman can do it and this eight-year-old kid can do it, I can do it. But then the games happen. So I'm driving to this place. This, was in, this mind, is in Calgary? This, this is in Calgary? Calgary. Okay, yeah, like right. right by Airdrie. I'm driving okay. and my mind is like, Randy, just turn around. What are you doing to us? <laughs> I thought we were a team. What are you doing? Right? You get close, you get there. Then they put on the overalls and everything on you. And then your mind is still playing games with you. Your mind's like, listen, Randy, you've gone far enough. Okay? <laughs> you go far I'm enough. dead serious, man. I'm dead serious. I can't even make this up, man. It's like, take a picture and post it, and nobody would know the wiser of it. You get on the plane. There's five people that are on this plane, including the pilot, okay? I could stretch my legs and hit the other side of the plane. And you feel every movement as it's coming up 10,000 plus feet. Then you get to the door and you feel the wind in your face. And then you jump. And I won't even lie. I was screaming like a little schoolgirl, man. <laughs> I was. For wait, 60 wait, wait, seconds. Wait, were you attached to, to the instructor? I was, I was. Okay, all right, okay. You jump and you're screaming like a little schoolgirl. Not even necessary. You know what? It's super funny. Anyway, I'll get to that in a little bit. So you're screaming like a little schoolgirl for 60 seconds. Boom, he pulls the parachute. It's the most peaceful, blissful scenario you'll ever find yourself in. You don't hear no traffic. There's no honking horns. There's no nothing. It's peace and serenity as you're floating down. And you understand that this fear you had of jumping was so much worse in your mind than what it was when you actually did it. Skydiving felt like a dog sticking its head out of a window and having air in its face. That's what mm. it felt like. You don't feel the butterflies in your stomach like when you go on a roller coaster. Because when you're in a roller coaster, the roller coaster stops. And then it drops. The plane is already traveling at a, at a particular speed and distance. 
So when you jump out, you don't feel the butterflies in your stomach. You feel a lot of weight in your face, all the stuff, but it doesn't feel like that at all. It's such a big misconception. When you land, you realize that you put yourself in a very extremely uncomfortable situation and you've overcome your fear. Every single person on this planet is standing at that door and jumping and feeling bliss or staying and being comfortable is up to you. That's what it is. Would you do it again? Oh, hell yeah. You want to go tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm actually, actually, I've got a fear of, I've got a fear of heights as well. Say, say less. I'm telling you, man, you're for like a week, maybe a month, but specifically the first two weeks, my swag, my energy was through the roof. What are you going to tell me that I can't do, that I just jumped 12,000? What are you going to say to me that's worse than potentially all the things that could have happened 12,000 feet in the air? What are you going to tell me? What are you going to tell me that I can't do? Hmm. You need these stories. You need these elements to build you because there's going to be a time where you're going to feel uncertain and you can look back and say, is what you're going through worse than what you've been? The answer is no. So you push forward and you continue to push forward. The same thing with divorce, the same thing with changing jobs, the same thing with all these different strains that people go through in their life. You need those moments because when you look back into your tool belt and you're looking for inspiration, you're looking for that boost. You can look back at, at, at your experiences in life and be like, this is the encouragement that I need. Remember uh, that um, time? Sorry, please continue. Brave? Yeah, it's like, remember that time you were brave? Same thing, I lift weights. I love weights because it puts you in a fight and flight mode. The weight is going to come off my body or it's going to fall on my face. And I'm going to be that, hey, remember that guy was telling you that the dumbbell fell and cracked his face? That's the guy. You don't want to be the dumbbell cracked face guy, right? You want to sure. be able to lift it in a safe and controlled manner, right? But it takes for you to get into your mind, into believing in yourself that you can do it mm. with anyone. Mm. And those things that give you encouragement. Oh, I lifted this weight. Next week, I'm going to lift five pounds more. And five pounds more. And before you know it, you're lifting and entering into territory that you never imagined you'd be in. Mm, mm, mm. It doesn't get any it doesn't get any more complex than that. Mm. Did you did you uh do this uh skydiving in the middle of uh building Kujo Kid Zone or before oh, I did it last year, last September. And and, and I and I suspect there was a block or a mental obstacle that you were trying to get over and then you did this and you were able to go over the hump? Oh my God. I, I did it and I was able to challenge myself mm. and what, what I can do and what, again, and just, you know, sometimes you do these things, you know, you start a company or you enter into different spaces and you have fear and it's normal. I, I, I wanted to conquer my fear. Being afraid of heights was a fear of mine. I wanted to leave all of my fears in that air that day. 
And I mm. wanted to come down and morph into being like, okay, what else can I tackle? Let's go. Mm. Let's go. This is inspiration right now. Anytime I get into my feelings about something or I, 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 I doubt myself about something, I look back and I say, you remember that time? You remember that time that you went through your divorce? You remember that time you had to find a new place? You remember that time you had your daughter? You remember that time you had to do this? You remember that time you lost this? Remember that time you got rejected about this? I'm still here. Mm. Still here. Mm. Still here. Mm. Wow. So, Randy, I thought this was going to be our final session, but I have two or three more questions to ask you. And uh, um, I just want to press pause for now, and then, then I'm going to get you on the other side so that I can ask this question. So I, I don't know if you're going to be able to stay with us. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Two or three more questions, no problem. And then after that, I have to call my little one to, to say before she goes to sleep. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I'll see you on the other side, okay? Yeah, sounds good. So I've been enjoying this uh, conversation with Randy. And as I was about to wrap up there, I realized that I did not ask the man a very important question, which is also important to his life. How, how, how has it been like being a father? Oh, man. And by the way, I saw, I, saw you, I saw your daughter at the barbershop when she was watching, uh, oh. <laughs> what she was, what, what she was watching on her phone. Yeah. Oh, man. Being a father is everything, man. It's one of the most important jobs and roles that I've ever had to do. And uh, again, you, you walk into it thinking that all the impact and things you're going to have on your child's life, and they teach you more. My daughter has taught me a lot. And advocating for my daughter has taught me a lot, you know, and uh, I enjoy it. I enjoy being silly around my daughter. I enjoy the questions that she has for me. And I'm honest with her. She asks me things and I keep it, I keep it 100 with her and I, and I tell her things, honestly. And uh, I enjoy spending time with her. I enjoy teaching her. And being in the position that I'm in now and having my own company, I, I have been uh, very blessed in, in having that ability of dropping off my daughter to school and doing homework with her before school, picking her up because it's half day, it's kindergarten, and having lunch with her and doing some more homework and teaching things that are not in the curriculum, just teaching life lessons, you know. Um, it's been a phenomenal experience. And I was there every step of the journey from when my ex-wife was pregnant to visiting the doctors, to being present when she was born, to seeing her first steps, everything. I saw all of that. And if you come into that situation as being a father and being open-minded, you can learn immensely and it makes you a better father, a better friend, a better husband, a better brother, a better manager, better everything, you know. Um, and I equate that to, to entering the fatherhood. And it also helps you put where you fall in place. Again, it, it forces you to be in that community role that you're not sitting on the kids table anymore for supper you're at the adult table and it's like it's time for you to take place in that table it's time for you to give back to your community it's time for you to be concerned about things things that you will never be concerned about before and now all of a sudden they're concerning to you 
news articles that weren't affecting you before are affecting you now. It touches on your heart in a different way. And I have a girl. And I understand that, you know, being a male in my daughter's life, I'm going to be the measuring stick to which she measures her relationships with other men, you know, and I want to set the bar very high. I want to set the bar in terms of what you can look for in a, a partner, what you can expect in terms of your relationships with, with men um, and the level of respect that you need to, to have and also, also reciprocate back. Um, and it's a huge honor. I, I, I love it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, uh, if, uh, if, you knew that you, if you knew that you would not fail, what, 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 uh, what endeavor would you take on? And I couldn't fail. You know, you knew the, the, the chances of failure would, is out of the question. So what, what endeavor would you embark on? <laughs> I'd probably be doing exactly what I'm doing now. And I, I, you know what? I just had a feeling that was going to be the answer to that question. I just knew it. Something dropped in my spirit and said, that's going to be the answer to the question. I, I wouldn't change anything. People look at failure like it's a, it's a bad thing. Failure is not a bad thing. Failure is actually a phenomenal lesson to be learned. You know, like, it's not a bad thing. It's just, okay, let's recalibrate and let's tackle this in a different kind of a way. You know, um, you play uh, soccer, maybe basketball. Missing a shot on net doesn't make you a terrible soccer player. This means, okay, I have to get into a better position. There's a very famous quote from a Hall of Fame hockey player, Wayne Gretzky, and he said it, and I don't even think when he said it that he understood the simplicity and the impact that this statement would make. They're like, how do you score all these goals? It's like, I skate to where the puck is going to be and not where it has been. Very simple quote, but so powerful. And, and, and that's what it is. It's like, okay, cool. This happened before in the past. Okay, cool. Let's move forward. Let's, let's go. Uh, Getting rejected or having something fail doesn't mean no. It's a setback, but it doesn't mean no, that you can't do it. It's just uh, a setback. Uh, uh. And what, 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 uh, what final thoughts do you have to share with the audience? Final thought. Um, embrace yourself. You're more than enough. You always were more than enough. Don't focus on the destination of life. Embrace the journey. You never remember. Where's your high school? Where's your high school diploma? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't even know where it is. Where's your... <laughs> Where's your university or college certificates? You don't even know. At one point in time, it was everything. Mm. At one point in time, getting there was everything. Okay, because I get this, then I can apply to this job, then I can have this money and I can do this. <laughs> the lesson was the, the hours you sacrificed in studying, in the papers, in going to class, and showing up. Embrace the journey. 
The journey is the best part. Embrace it. Mm, Be present. Mm. And, um, you know, as the words of Kujo, be kind, be brave, be curious, and most importantly, be yourself. Be yourself. Embrace it. Mm. Embrace being mm. yourself. Embrace being out there. Mm. And and if uh, if the audience wants to follow Kujo Kids Zone and they also want to follow you, how can they uh, follow what you guys are do- putting out there? Yeah, um, you can join us on Instagram at uh, Kujo's Kids Zone Show. Uh, we're also on Twitter at Kujo's Kid Zone. You can be on. You can follow us on YouTube at uh, Kujo, um, WW. Uh, actually, no, uh, YouTube. So you just type in uh, Kujo's Kid Zone. Um, Kududo Television. You can download the app. It's on the Roku box uh, on smart televisions, or you can do it on your phone. Kududo TV, and type in Kujo. You can download the Sensical app, or you can have it on your your smart television as well. Um, and type in Kujo and um, follow us on Facebook as well, the Kujo's Kids Zone Show. Um, and you can go to our website, www.kujoskidzone.com. Wow. Randy, you've been very generous with your time. You've had, uh, I think, uh, this conversation I'll classify it as soulful because you've really opened up, and uh, those are the kind of conversations I enjoy to have. So thank you for bringing your authentic self. And I'm sure hey. this conversation would inspire someone out there that even if you're in HR, you can still take a very big detour and go into early child education. So thanks for, thanks, for, thanks for what you're doing and thanks for creating the allies that you're creating to change the world in your own way. Hey, thank you. Listen, thank you for even having this platform available for individuals like myself to come on and, and share their truth. Um, and that's only made possible for what you're doing right now through your podcast. And I know your podcast will touch so many different people as well, you know, so I appreciate you spending the time and having me on here as well. So thank you to you. Thanks, man. So I will, uh, when my child is born two years from now and, uh, he or she turns three, I look forward I to you. having, I, lo- I look forward to have, having a doll on one hand, holding a blanket you. on the other hand and I even a poster, you. a poster in the room too. <laughs> I got you. August 19, 2022. Remember this conversation. 2027, okay. your doll and your pillow will be with your son and your daughter. You can bet on that. Amen. All right, sir. Take care. All right. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. Another episode has successfully come to an end. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with the guests. And um, if you did, please don't forget to subscribe to the show, uh, depending on which uh, podcast directory you're listening to um, this um, show or episode on. Um, also share with a friend. And lastly, uh, remember to also go to the website to subscribe to the Three Nuggets Wednesday. From time to time, I do share uh, a free newsletter link on the social media such as WhatsApp, uh, Facebook, and Instagram. That way you can take a gander of uh, the newsletter and see what the content is like. And uh, that way you can peruse it before you subscribe and 
get to know if it's adding value to your life or not. With that being said, as I like to always end every conversation I have with most of my friends and with you, do something crazy and take some risk this week. Have a great one. Enjoy yourself. Take care. Bye-bye.